0: we just thank you and we thank you that um, we can trust you with um, everything in our own lives, what's going on. And I know that there are those that are here today that, that, Lord, that um, perhaps are going through difficult times or are concerned about loved ones or maybe going through their own sickness. So, Lord, we just pray that you would just um, remind us once again how we can trust in you and just commit these things to you and your word says that we can cast that that word we know means to just throw our cares upon you because you care for us. So, Lord, I pray you would bring the comfort that to, to, to those who need comforting, and Lord, that you would bring healing to those who need healing, and Lord, that you would just help us, even as we saw on Sunday, as the man who saw his son that was um, vexed with the demon and and um, just what he was going through, and it seemed so hopeless. And, and he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so, Lord, help us in our faith to, to, to be ones to, that we build our faith. And once again, we're reminded how you desire to, Lord, not only save us and, and as uh, we come here, proclaim our salvation, but, Lord, how you desire to use us for your glory. And we know that we can trust you with our salvation. We can trust you with our lives. And, and Lord, uh, what's going on with our loved ones? And we can stand on Your promises. And Lord, we can come out of here um, just edified and encouraged once again by Your Word. And Lord, again, as we look at this portion of Scripture that oftentimes does get ignored, I pray that You would encourage us as we desire to live for You. And Lord, as You just prepare our own lives to just um, be ones that represent You in a very wonderful way in our lives. And so Lord, we give You this time to study Your Word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In Leviticus chapter 8, what we're going to see is we're going to see the consecration of the priests. That is, we're going to see that they're going to be set aside for ministry. And a lot of this is is what we had saw in Exodus chapter 29. And and it's kind of a review, but I think there's so many powerful applications in this as we go over this. So again, Exodus, we saw the, the, the tabernacle being built. We saw that um, as the tabernacle was uh, finished and the priestly garments were done, then in the first seven chapters really uh, of Leviticus, which is really a continuation of the book of Exodus, we saw that all the the sacrifices were there described to us. And it's kind of a handbook, kind of a, a, a manual for the priests and how they were due to sacrifices. And we looked at those sacrifices very carefully. And as we did, we saw that, first of all, that Jesus, he fulfills all of those sacrifices. Of course, the most significant one is the sin sacrifice and Jesus Christ, of course, being the sin sacrifice for you and for me, but we looked at how he fulfilled those sacrifices in the burn offering, and also in the in the grain offering, and the peace offering, uh, and in the sin offering, which included the trespass offering. But we also made application for our own lives because those sacrifices speak to you and to me as we desire to be living sacrifices for the Lord as Paul would write in Romans chapter twelve. And so it helps us in 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 coming to the Lord and, and the, having that heart and understanding that we are to be ones, that we are to surrender our lives completely to the Lord as symbolized in the burnt offering. We are to be ones as the grain offering was an offering of provision and thanksgiving. Lord, you provide it for us. We come with thanksgiving. And that's the mindset and heart that we are to have as Christians. And then we we looked at uh, the uh, peace offering, which is a meal offering, which showed fellowship with the Lord. And, of course, we have fellowship with Jesus Christ because he is our sin offering. And so all those things that we looked at carefully... Now as we go into chapter 8, the priests are going to be... It, it tells us how they're being set aside for ministry. And then in chapter 9, what we're going to see is... After the, the um, preparing of the priests... We're going to see then the presentation of the priest in chapter 9 for public ministry. And what makes these chapters so valuable for you and for me is, of course, we have been called a royal priesthood as we've been talking about um, the priesthood, Levitical priesthood here in the Old Testament. We're called a royal priesthood in the um, New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're called a kingdom of priests in Revelation chapter 5. But you and I, as we look at these chapters, I think it, it, there's so much to look at and see and make application as far as our own lives, how it is that the Lord prepares us to, to be used of him, to be a representative of him and how he desires for us to be used of Him, and I think it's so rich in here. And again, as we, as I mentioned, it's a portion of Scripture that can be so largely ignored in the church today, but is so rich. And I, I think. For me, as I go through these chapters, it reminds me of the importance of what the Lord is doing in my life. And and then, as He presents us for ministry, some very important uh, application to be made as well. And the Lord's always working in us and always doing that work that He desires to do. But here, to, to remind us... that, that he will prepare us for the ministry that he's called us to do. And that's what's so wonderful about the Lord, is that he will call us to the ministry, we will see. He will do that work in us, and he'll finish that work that he desires to do, as Philippians says, being confident of this very thing, that he who's has begun a good work will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. We know that Paul would also write to the Philippian believers that it is God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so that brings great confidence and and comfort to me that I don't have to sit and try to figure out, Lord, what is it that that I should be doing And, and come up with a plan and strive and strain. But Lord, you're the one that it's going to call me the ministry, you're going to anoint me for that ministry, you're going to prepare me for that, and then when the time comes, you're going to present me to do that ministry. And so these are important things that we've been talking about, but again are reminded of these things as we read in chapter 8, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil, a bull as a sin offering, two rams and a basket of unleavened bread and gather all the congregation together at to the door the tabernacle of meeting. And so we see here um, all the things that uh, in verse 2 set aside uh, for this, this ceremony of, of being consecrated or being prepared for uh, the ministry. And remember that as we've looked at the Levitical um, priesthood, that over and over again the Lord has said that the priests that are going to minister unto me in the sacrifices, that you do these sacrifices Before the Lord as you do this ministry unto the Lord. And that's the first key to always remember is that when we do ministry, it's for the Lord, isn't it? And it's to the Lord. It's not for us. It's not to exalt ourselves or bring glory to ourselves or so that we can be ones that become popular or full of fame or our names are known. If the Lord blesses us to where, you know what, people notice the ministry, it is to be done in a way that they glorify our Father. And that's what Jesus said. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you. No. No to glorify your Father in heaven. And so we always want to make sure that when we minister that we're doing it for the Lord. And it would be Paul the Apostle that would say something very important in the New Testament. He said, listen, it's the love of God that constrains us or that is motivates us. And as we understand what Jesus Christ has done for us and His love for us, and as we give our lives to Him, and we're going to see that pattern here as we go through this. First of all, recognizing we need the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, in our lives to Him. and then they." Would we would offer to burn offering in, in this, this consecration uh, ceremony and preparing the priest. That is, coming to the Lord and say, I surrender my life to him. And then we are then prepared to do the work of the ministry. But the thing is, it's for the Lord and for his glory and for his kingdom. And, and we need to keep that always in mind first and foremost. And the second thing, too, is the Lord does not rush in preparing us for what he wants us to do in our lives. That's one thing that that uh, we live in an instant rush world where we like things to happen right away. We like things to, to take place right away. And sometimes the Lord will work in our lives to where things happen right away. But other times, especially when it comes, they're preparing you for what He has for you or where He has placed you and using you. He'll take a lifetime to prepare you. He'll take... Uh, 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 you know, until you go home to be with him, continuing to just be molded and shaped into his image and used for his glory. And I know as I, I look at how the Lord has used me, all the glory goes to him. And I marvel that he would use somebody like me. And I have learned so much in in the Lord um, in, in what he has shown me over the years. But I also realize he has so much more to do in my life as well and continuing to teach me things. And so don't despise the day of small things. Jesus said, be faithful in little things and he'll give you greater things to do. And so if you're here tonight and you feel like, you know, I sense that the Lord wants me to do something or you feel like the Lord has called you to a certain ministry, whatever it might be, you be faithful to what God uh, has done in your, is doing in your life, where he has placed you, and, the, and how he's given you opportunities to serve and minister and, and to the people that, that you have opportunity to right now. Just be faithful in those little things uh, where he has you, and, and he'll give you greater things to do. And so we look at Moses. Moses was prepared for 40 years, wasn't he? Herding sheep on the backside of the desert. And then the Lord said, Moses, now I'm going to use you to be a shepherd of my people. And it took 40 years to bring Moses to a point of humility. And the scripture says that he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And we know that when Moses was raised up in Pharaoh's palaces and, and as Stephen would give indication uh, there in Acts chapter 7 as he gave his testimony that Moses was learned in all the wisdom and knowledge of Egypt and he thought that he was going to be the deliverer at that time when he left Pharaoh's palace and went to suffer affliction with his brethren. And so he would kill the Egyptian that was uh, there uh, whipping the and uh, putting the scourge on uh, the Hebrew and, and the Buried him in the sand and then the next day he breaks up a fight. You recall there in Exodus chapter 2 between two Hebrews and they said, Who made you a judge over us? Giving this indication that he thought "Eh, the people are going to follow me. I'll deliver the people. I, I, you know, I'm I'm great and mighty. And so he got scared when they said, Are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And so he would flee Pharaoh. Pharaoh did find out that he killed the Egyptian. And for 40 years, God had to get Egypt out of Moses. Bring him to that place of humility to where when God called him the ministry you recall what it was that Moses said, Who am I? Who am I that you, I would go to Pharaoh? We see that work done in Joshua. We've seen Joshua a few times, but Joshua's in that place of just serving and, 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 and being in that place where he's at the, the door of the tabernacle. He's just there available for Moses. He's partway up the mountain waiting for Moses to come down. And, and we see that he's fighting the Amalekites. Joshua was one that he did what he was told. He served Moses. And he was Moses' assistant is what the scripture says. And he did that for 40 years. And it was after being faithful to that, that that's when the Lord said, Now, Joshua, Moses is going to rest with his fathers and you're going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. We see God taking his time working with David. It was the prophet that came and anointed David as the new king of Israel. But David didn't sit on the throne right away, did he? It wasn't until years later that he would be the, the king of Israel sitting on the throne and and being chased by Saul in the wilderness and the Lord preparing him and working in him. We see it with Paul the Apostle in the New Testament. Paul the Apostle in Acts chapter uh, 9, they're converted of the Lord um, on the way to Damascus and he was told at that time when he went to Damascus he was blinded that the Lord said that you're going to be my vessel and you must suffer many things for my name's sake but you're going to be a messenger to the children of Israel, to kings and to the Gentiles, And so Paul became the, the apostle to the Gentiles, didn't he? But it wasn't until years later after that. And Paul would spend three years in the desert in Arabia being taught by the Lord. And then he would spend several years in Tarsus as the apostles sent him there. And, and he, he just kind of was there. Learning to make tents because he had lost his, you know, he'd lost his position as a religious leader, um, his reputation. Um, he had to make his own living, and so he was making tents. And all of a sudden, it's Barnabas that came knocking on his door and said, "Hey, revival broke out in Antioch here, and would you come and teach the brethren?" And it was there at Antioch eventually that the Holy Spirit would speak. As they were praying for Paul and Barnabas and said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work of the ministry. You see, sometimes we can get in a hurry. And particularly, I, I, I talk to young guys who, who feel like they got a calling on their life. And I say, you know, let the Lord work what he wants to do and teach you and show you. And, and do that, that, that work that he desires to do in molding you and shaping you and, and making you a servant and bringing humility to your life and and all these things. And I know the Lord for me that I can look back at my life before I got into ministry and, and there are some long seasons where I was wondering, Lord, can you use anybody like me? And the Lord was working in my life to teach me to be a servant to to humility was teaching me a lot of things, those lessons that I'm still learning, but those important lessons and then being able to, to, um, you know, open up those doors for me to be able to minister and and, um, just keeping me there over the years. But here we see that they were to come to the tabernacle of um, meeting, the whole congregation here. They would witness this uh, ceremony of consecration. And then verse 4, So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is what the Lord commanded to be done. Now, one of the things that we're going to see is, is over and over again we're going to see that Moses did what the Lord commanded him to do. Moses did what the Lord commanded him to do. Moses did as the Lord commanded him to do. There's a lesson in that, isn't it? If we want to be the ones that minister unto the Lord, you need to be faithful in what He's commanded us to do. And that's why it is important that we look at the whole of Scripture, that we see the model of ministry, the model of how we are to live for Him. It's like we talked about the tabernacle. God gives very specific details to the tabernacle, and we can go through it. But the thing is, He has very specific details for you and for me, and how we are to walk with Him and serve Him and worship Him, what the church is to be about, the model of the church, how we are to be ministers and service. And it's important that, that we keep it in mind and that we desire to be ones, that we do what it is that He commands us to do. So verse 6, And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And we've talked about this, this washing of water, that the Scriptures in the New Testament, of course, you and I as priests, we've been washed, first of all, by the blood of Jesus Christ, haven't we? We have forgiveness because we are washed clean by His blood. We we uh, have been forgiven because of Jesus' sacrifice on Calvary's cross for us. But second of all, Titus chapter 3 says, also we are washed with the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, once we come to Jesus and surrender our hearts to Him and we say, Jesus, I am a sinner and I have sinned and I... Know that your word says, I'm to repent and turn to you and confess. And I do that. Thank you for dying for my sins. We're washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit then comes in us and we're a new creation in Christ, aren't we? All things have become new. We're no longer the old person. That old person is dead. And Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 6. But we identify with Christ. We're, we're resurrected in a newness of life. And so he writes in the Corinthian church uh, to them that we are new creatures in Christ. Behold, all things have become new. So Jesus is not just added to our life. We are new in Christ. We were once dead spiritually, Ephesians 2, but now we're made alive Because he has rescued us. So the regeneration of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then also as we come here, even tonight, as we study God's word, Ephesians chapter 5, we are washed with the water of the word. And so there's a washing that takes place as we are going through God's word. But I was reading this, and one thing I want to add to it is that as these guys were being washed before the congregation that gathered there at the door of the tabernacle, as they were being washed, it would be a humbling kind of thing, wouldn't it? I remember when we were doing the the fall festival for the kids. Uh, you know, a couple of the ladies were were looking at getting a dunking tank, you know. And I said, wouldn't it be great for you, Pastor Jeff, to get up there and kids can throw the baseballs and dunk you? And, and I thought, Ugh, I really don't want to do that. And um, but it would be kind of a humbling thing, these kids, you know, dunking Pastor Jeff and stuff. But it would be a humbly kind of thing. And again, to remind you that it is so critical for us as, as ministers to the Lord, whatever it is that we do, whether we're leading a home fellowship, whether we're leading a Bible study, whether we're ministering um, you know, in Sunday school, whatever it is that we are doing, that we do it with humility. And when we ever get to a point of, Lord, look how great I am, you know, look how talented I am. Look how gifted I am. Aren't you, you know, so blessed to have me serving you? When we get to that point, we get, we're in a point of real trouble. And we're headed down the wrong road. We need to have humble hearts. And Jesus is going to talk about that. We will see in Matthew's gospel when we get into Matthew uh, chapter 18. When he takes a child, as the disciples were arguing, about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And they did that. As Jesus got closer to the cross, he's talking about dying, but yet they still were thinking he's going to usher in his kingdom. And they were kind of jockeying for position who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. So they asked him, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And I just wonder if Peter was thinking, it's going to be me or John. He's going to say me or whoever it might be. But Jesus would take a child and set it, that child in the midst of the disciples and said, this child as you receive a child, come in childlike faith, as you live your life in humility as a child, then that's going to be the one that's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. So some powerful lessons that we're going to look at again. But humility is so important. And I know the Lord has had His ways of working humility in me. I think I've told this story, but I'll tell it again. I remember a couple years after I came up here um, <clears throat> that you know, we're up here just for a couple of years, and Pastor Brian asked me to go teach down in Colorado Springs, and they got in their new sanctuary, and I was excited. I was going to go down and see some old friends, but I thought, you know, I've been teaching for a couple of years now. I'm going to re- really show them that I'm becoming a good teacher, you know, and I'm going to teach uh, something that's going to wow them. Yeah, of course, I would never have expressed that, you know, verbally, but here. That's that's what I was thinking. And I'm excited and I went down and I started teaching and, and you know it's a big sanctuary and all this and it's full and, and all of a sudden somebody came down in a wheelchair down in the middle of the aisle and he stopped and he said I'm going to make you squirm pastor. And it's just like it just creeped me out. I didn't know what was going on and then, then he then he left and it's like You talk about, that was five minutes into the teaching, but I stumbled and stuttered and everything else. It was a disaster, the teaching the rest of the way. And I remember afterwards coming home and I was saying, Lord, you know, and I think Pastor Darrell was with me. I was saying, you know, why did that happen? And, and, you know, upset about it. And I remember the Lord saying, don't ever, ever get behind the pulpit with that kind of heart. And it was a heart of, you know what, I'm going to show them and, and what you know the Lord has done. And the one thing that's a powerful lesson that I learned, that ever since I've done a teaching after that, I don't care if it's a few minutes with the youth group, or it's Sunday morning or Wednesday night, the Lord humbled me. And Lord, I've been given a great responsibility to teach your word what an awesome responsibility it is. And it was a lesson that I needed to learn. And the Lord still working humility in me because all of us, you know, we we at times want to be seen and we want to be known and, 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 and all of this. But the thing is, it's a process because I don't think any of us wake up super humble. But it's a working that the Lord has to do in our lives. But it is necessary. So this washing there before the tabernacle would be a humbling kind of thing that would be done. And then verse 7 we read, And he put the tunic on him and girded him with sash, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him, and he girded him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. And with it it tied the ephod on him. And then he put the breastplate on him, and he put the urim and the thummim in the breastplate. And he put the turban on his head and also the turban on his front and put the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And so the clothing of the priests, the garments that we talked about very uh, extensively as we are in Exodus chapter 28, but a couple of things to remember is that we are robed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And second of all, you might recall in Exodus chapter 28 verse 2 that the robes that Moses that you are to make are for glory and for beauty. They're for the glory of the Lord and they're for beauty as well. And I pray that as you and I, as we minister, as the Lord just continues the work in our hearts and preparing us and doing that work in us, that as people see us ministering, that first of all is for His glory and second of all, they see the beauty of the Lord. The Lord, I want to bring glory to you and that they see the beauty of the Lord as I serve you and honor you with my life. And so Moses took the anointing oil, verse 10, and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them, and he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all its utensils and labor and its base to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. And Moses brought Aaron's son and put tunics on them, girded them with sashes and put hats on them as the Lord had commanded Moses. So the anointing of the priests. And, and you and I, we have been set apart by the Lord and it is to be the working and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You see, you never want to do what it is that God has called you to do. And it, it, Whether it's working in a nursery or whether it's teaching Sunday school, again, teaching a Bible study, maybe discipling some guys, uh, maybe it's, it's leading a Bible study at work, perhaps working in a coffee shop, cleaning, whatever it might be. You never want to do it out of the flesh. But Lord, you've put this on my heart. And you empower me, and you anoint me to do that ministry, and that has to be understood if you're going to have longevity in serving the Lord. Because if you are, you can do ministry in the flesh. Do you know that? And ministry in the flesh does, you know, is something that people do. The problem is if you say, okay, Lord, this is what I'm going to do and, and I'm going to make this work and, and you're doing it, all of a sudden you start to realize over time you've got to maintain it in the flesh. And it becomes very tiring and you start striving and you start sweating and that's why there are those who drop out of ministry and stop serving the Lord. But the thing is, ministry should never be burdensome, folks. It'd be something that, that, that you're called to do and by the power of the Holy Spirit, He enables you to do it. There's anointing to do it. And that's going to cause you to have longevity in whatever the Lord has called you to do. And it's, you're going to sense the joy and and just the working of the Lord because He's going to do more than you ever thought that He could do through you and with you. He will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. That's a promise of the Lord. But it's just yielding to Him. Lord, you've called me to this. And that's why you know, when I stand up and, and if anything, you know, probably I need to let you guys know what more the needs are here in the church. But what I, I don't want to do is get up here and pound the pulpit or pound my music stand here and say, we need this and you need to be doing that and putting guilt trips and manipulating and going that direction. I want you to, to know what the needs are. To know opportunities to minister and then let the Lord call you to where you can minister and to do that ministry and to do it with joy and to rely on the Lord and allow Him to anoint you to do that ministry. And just sense the joy of doing it and, and, and Lord, I have the privilege to serve the true and the living God. And that's what's going to bring longevity to your service to the Lord as you just allow Him to do that work as you're anointed of the Lord. And so verse 14, And he brought the bull for the sin offering. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering, and Moses killed it. Then he took the blood and put some of the horns on the altar all around, and his finger and purified the altar. And he poured the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. And then he took the fat that was on the entrails, a fatty lobe attached to the liver, two kidneys with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. But the bull, its hide, its flesh, and its offal, he burned with fire outside the camp, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So the sacrifice of the sin offering, and again, because Jesus Christ has died for us, uh, He was our sacrifice for us, we now have forgiveness, and we can be used of Him. In verse 18, then He brought the ram as the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the rome, A ram, that is. And then Moses killed it and then sprinkled the blood all around the altar. And he cut the ram into pieces and Moses burned the head, the pieces and the fat. Then he washed the entrails and the legs in water. Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. So after you come to the Lord and realize that He was the sin sacrifice for us, then the burnt offering. That is, we offer ourselves to to Him. Lord, I am saved. Thank you. And now I know that you want to set me apart to live for you and to bring honor to you and glory to you as I represent you in my life, words that I speak, and how I serve you. That's the burnt offering. That's, that's what it symbolizes. And then verse 22, we read, and He brought the second ram and the ram of consecration. And then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. Moses killed it, and he took some of his blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And then he brought Aaron's son, and Moses put some of the blood on the tip of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. Moses sprinkled the blood all around the altar. So here we see this consecration uh, ceremony that the blood was put on their right ears, the thumb of their right hand, and the big toe of their right foot. Lord, set me apart that I may hear from You the right ear. And if You desire to live for the Lord, bring glory to the Lord, and serve the Lord, we've got to hear from Him. Lord, I want to hear from You and what You're calling me to do. I want to hear from Your Word how it is that I'm to live for You and to, to serve You. Your right thumb, that I may hands, have hands to serve you, Lord. And you know what? Ministry is doing very practical things, isn't it? Ministry is, is, is in a nursery and, and changing diapers. It, it's these, these guys up here, that are so gifted in playing their, their instruments and using their voices. It, it's, you know, giving a cup of coffee somebody out in the coffee shop. Laying hands on somebody as you pray for them. Making a meal for somebody. Whatever it might be. just You guys are so handy with your hands. But Lord, however, that you want to use me, Lord, that I want to hear from you, hands to serve you. You remember Moses when he was first called to the Lord and the Lord said, Moses, what's in your hand? It was a staff, a shepherd's staff. He was a shepherd. He said, throw it down. And it became a snake and then he picked it up. And maybe the Lord's asking you what's in your hands. That you can use me, the gifts he's given you, and how he's made you, and your temperament. and Those are good signs. And what he's calling you to do and how he can use you. What's in your hands? And then on the right toe, that Lord, I want to walk with you. I, I just want to stay close to you and follow you. And Lord, walk in your ways. And so this, this blood applied to the ear and to the thumb and the right hand and the big toe, of the right foot. And then we read in verse 25, And then he took the fat of the fat um, tail and all the fat that was on the entrails and the fatty lobe attached to the liver to two kidneys and their fat and their right thigh. And from the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake, a cake of bread, uh, anointed with oil and one wafer and put them in the fat and on the right thigh. And they put all these in Aaron's hands and the son's hands and weighed them as a wave offering before the Lord. And Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar on the burnt offering. And they were consecration, an offering for a sweet aroma. That was an offering made by fire to the Lord. And Moses took the breast, verse 29, and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' part of the ram of consecration as the Lord had commanded Moses. So they waved it before the Lord. And again, the wave offering, they uh, it was recognizing that, Lord, you provided for me, um, and, and to receive that with thanksgiving. And here's another key. As we serve the Lord, as we desire to be used to the Lord, always be thankful. Always be thankful. Wherever the Lord has you. And if you're doing any ministry, whatever it is that you're doing, and you can't do it with the heart of thanksgiving, if it is done, that, that we're, uh, it's burdensome where it's straining, again, if it's done where you're murmuring and complaining, then stop. And reevaluate. And say, Lord, you know what? You've given me this ministry. Don't ever think that what the Lord has given you isn't important. It is important. And He has a calling and a ministry for you that only you can do. And your ministry is just as important as anybody else's ministry. And He desires for you to be faithful in that and have a heart of thanksgiving in doing that. And so, you know, it goes back to the New Testament that we're all members of one body and he compares it to our own bodies. And, you know, our bodies have different parts, all these different parts in our bodies working together that the body of Christ may function and edify and be able to bless others and, and give the gospel out. We all have certain things that we can be used of, but always be thankful. Wherever the Lord has you and how he's using you and, 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 and that, Lord, that you would even desire for me to be used of you to bring honor and glory to you. Again, a lesson when we first started the church and we were downtown. And I remember it was um, Wednesday, and and I think this that um, I wasn't even at the church full time, but I remember coming in Wednesday night and and um, vacuuming the the room, and it hadn't been really clean, and was cleaning the church and. And um, one of the rooms was real messy. The, the kids had, you know, had glitter all over the place. You know how glitter just gets all over the place and and um and I remember I was murmuring and complaining, so who made this mess? I'm not talking you know, and all this and the Lord just spoke to me again and said, You know what, Jeff, I can get somebody else. To do this. I can also get somebody else to teach the word. And the Lord speaking to me, ministering to me, you know, I began to realize that, you know, he brought those verses to Philippians, do all things without murmuring and complaining. It's the same phraseology that we're going to see with the children of Israel as they murmur and complain out in the wilderness. They were never happy, never trusting the Lord, unbelief, you know, Lord, you're not providing enough, all this other stuff. And they murmured and complained and it's not pleasing the Lord. It dishonors the Lord. And bringing me to that place of, you know what? You should be thankful that you even have one person that comes. And I am. Because that's God's grace. That one person even comes and has the opportunity to minister to. And so again, in that time, you know, uh, you know, I I just, you know what? If, if kids come in and bring, drag in dirt guess what? we got a vacuum cleaner and we got a mop. And I am thankful, Lord, that we have kids that are here. Kids that are making noise. Kids that we have opportunity to minister to. And people that are here that love the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me an opportunity to just be used today in where you have me and what you have me to do and minister to whoever it is that I have opportunity to minister to. Always have a heart of, of thanksgiving and gratitude. I'll continue that theme on Thanksgiving Eve. Verse 30. And Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron and his garments, his son and the garments of his sons with him. Again, the priesthood is Aaron and his sons, the direct descendants of Aaron. And so they would apply on the garments the blood and the oil, the oil and the blood actually, the oil and the blood. You cannot do ministry, and we cannot do ministry as the church here without the oil and the blood, okay what churches can do, and they're very good at doing that is they can do church and a lot of stuff I get a lot of materials on how to do church and how to have you know the performance and the entertainments and and You know, how you can present yourself the right way and the lights the right way and the programs and all of this. How you can grow your church in those ways and stuff. But listen, we cannot do ministry here and I don't want to do church here without the oil and the blood. That is being led by the Holy Spirit to do what it is that we're called to do. And then second of all, never forgetting about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and Him crucified the blood. And you see some churches, they're so busy in the entertainment and the feel-good messages and convenient Christianity and sick or sensitive and the emergent movement and all that that's bringing all the people in. But there's no oil and there's no blood. And the gospel is being set aside. And And it's a straining and striving kind of thing that can happen. Lord, I want to be led by You. And so the Lord says... You come to Greeley and you teach through all of God's word from Genesis to Revelation. That's what I've called you to do. Be faithful to that. I'll enable you to do that. I'll give you the grace to do that. And so we go through Leviticus. And we're going through all of God's word. And also remember the gospel. To give the gospel. Be faithful to him. Be faithful to the the good news of the gospel. Be faithful to God's word. And that's what we are to do. Lord, you lead me. You guide me. Lord, you empower me. And Lord, remember, it's for your kingdom. And that I have a message to give to others. That that is Jesus loves them and died for them and desires to save them as they turn to him. And so the oil and the blood has to be a part of our ministries and a part of this ministry. We don't want to get away from it. And so verse 31, as we finish the chapter, Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and eat it there with the bread that is in the basket of consecration offering as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his son shall eat it. Where it remains of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn with fire and you shall go, not go outside the door of the tabernacle of meeting for seven days until the days of your consecration are ended. For seven days he shall consecrate you. And as uh, as he has done this day, verse 34 So the Lord has commanded to do, to make atonement for you. Therefore you you shall stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting um, day and night for seven days and keep the charge of the Lord so that you may not die, for so I have been commanded. So Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. And so we see here that there were seven days of consecration. That is, they were to stay in that tabernacle. Aaron and his four sons in that tabernacle for seven days. They didn't come out of that tabernacle. And they would also have a fellowship meal with God. And the fellowship meal, again, would speak of communion with God. So seven days in the tabernacle, cramped quarters there for those guys. Not come out. But the thing that is very important for us, and I know for me, is that before there's public ministry, there first needs to be private devotion. Before there's public ministry, before we can go out and be used to the Lord, there first of all has to be private devotion. That you be in the tabernacle, spending in time with the Lord. The psalmist would write in 80, Psalm 84, verses 1 and 2, How lovely is Your tabernacle, Lord of hosts! My soul longs even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And for us to be effective in ministering to others... First of all, you spend time with the Lord. Again, we've been talking about that theme. We talked about the countenance of of shining like Moses after he came from the presence of the Lord. And for us to be shining the glory and the countenance of the Lord, um, we need to spend time with Him. For us to be effective in ministry, there needs to be private devotion to the Lord. So again, before I come up here on Wednesday nights, before I teach the youth, before I address you on Sunday mornings in the teaching, I know that it's critical for me to be spending time in prayer. And whatever the Lord has called you to do, whether it's serving in the coffee shop, Lord, if I have opportunity to really bless somebody today by giving them a cup of coffee, by just greeting them and saying, hello, how's your day going? And encourage them in in the things of the Lord. Lord, you lead me and you guide me. As, As I sit in the bookstore, Lord, I just want to come to you. And I don't want to just go through the motions, but Lord, if I have opportunities to help somebody find a book or to encourage them that they take that book home and and they're blessed and encouraged and I remember that person who who, you know gave me a recommendation or encouraged me or helped me uh, as I bought this book. As you greet somebody at the door that you see that person comes in and you spend the time just being sensitive to the new person who comes in and saying hello and greeting them to that child that comes into the classroom that you know what Lord I have opportunity to minister to these little ones and Jesus is going to say some very important things concerning ministering to children that we're going to see on Sunday. Lord, I have opportunity to minister to this group of people here. Or I have opportunity to take a meal to somebody who's hurting. Or somebody that we can rejoice with because they just had a new baby. Whatever it might be. Lord, I have opportunity to give truth to somebody. And Lord... As I start my day, I want to be sensitive to you before I go out in the public, whether it's the workplace or whether it's here or whether it's at school in your neighborhood. I'm going to have, first of all, private devotion and be sensitive to your leading. I want you to hear my heart on this. One of the things that I stress with particularly young guys that come to me and say, I want to be in ministry. I feel like there's calling on my life. One of the things I stress to them is these things that we just talked about. Humbleness, and being a servant, um, being one that is a man of prayer. And I hope for us that as we desire to, to serve others, as we desire to serve the Lord, for me, that first of all, we are people of the Word and we are people of truth, that we desire, Lord, to, to surrender our lives and allow You to call us to what You want us to do. You anoint us. You empower us. But also that we're men and women of prayer. The Lord seeking You. You know that's one of the the lessons that I really learned from my sister. And and my sister is is somebody that really she's gone all over the country, you know, teaching ladies retreats. She's done the ladies retreats here. And and I am not trying to tutor her horn. She wouldn't want me doing that at all. I can just hear her saying, "Don't say anything about me." But she's a woman of prayer. And as she did the ladies' retreat here, she'll say, give me a list of those ladies. And she's praying for those ladies by name. As she teaches a junior high class, she'll go through and pray for each one of those kids by name. As she goes up and does the retreat, she prays. And and that's really been such a wonderful example to me. And and it's really tremendously spoken to me and been a great witness to me and, and taught me a lot. She's just a woman of prayer that prays for people. And that's one of the things that I try to get in with, particularly those who want to to be in ministry or those who desire to, to serve in ministry, to be ones that you pray. You're praying for those that you have opportunity to minister to. And I want to encourage you. That's why we have the director. Go through and pray for those families. Pray for the kids that are in your Sunday school room. Pray for the ladies that are in your ladies group. Pray for, for those in home fellowship. Pray for, for those who are in the tables of eight. Pray for those that you see coming to the bookstore. Pray for those that you see every week in a coffee shop. Pray for those that you greet at the door. Pray for them. I was talking to a good friend of mine. We'll be done in a minute. I want you to hear my heart on this and he's a pastor here and the church is big enough to where there's a couple guys that that he's talked to that he's seen you know that they're interested in ministry and and they've served and and they feel like they got a calling on their life so they put them into internships to where they can learn about the ministry. And I was talking to him the other day and I said, "How's it going with them too? And he said, "Well, you know, I got a real challenge right now because what we do is we give them opportunity to study, come here and be here. And what I'm seeing is, is they got their laptops now and now they're blogging. And they spend hours after hours blogging. Listen, it's a big thing with pastors right now. The internet and blogging, and all that. Don't don't get me. I'm not." You know, trying to, to be critical here, but what can happen is it becomes to where these blogging sites and they spend hours blogging these pastors, pastors that I know, and I don't blog because I don't have time to blog. But I know that some, they'll say, yeah, I spend three or four hours every day just blogging and going over theological you know, discussions. And, and, and that's what these two are getting into. And we're not sure about you know, our position on rapture and, and all this stuff. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with having theological discussions, but it just for hours and hours every day. And I'm thinking, why don't you spend that time praying? Do you see what I'm saying? Or at least some of that time praying for people. Why don't you just spend that time going to the hospital and visit somebody and pray for them? One of the things that some of you have perhaps you remember, um, I, I know some, Jerry and Sandy, you remember Romaine at Calvary Costa Mesa and Jerry and Sandy were there years ago and anybody who's been around the Calvary chapels know Pastor Chuck's assistant for many years was a man by the name of Pastor Romain. And he's since gone home to be with the Lord. But he was one that ministered for many years there at Calvary Costa Mesa. And, and he, he was one that, when, if you were one that said, you know, I feel called to ministry and stuff, sometimes people think he seemed to be a little bit harsh, but he, he was someone that would just set you straight if you were, thought you were called to ministry. And he stressed these points and he was saying you're to be a servant and to serve others. But one of the things that Pastor Romaine did when he came to Calvary Costa Mesa, I mean, his big church is growing, expanding, they're building and all this. He said, I want an office. Don't give me an office. Give me a place where I can hang up my coat and I got my Bible because he wanted to be out with the people. He said, I'm going to be out making sure things are being done. I'm going to be picking up trash. I'm going to be fixing these things. I'm going to be with these young guys. I'm going to be working with them. If he needed to counsel somebody, he said, come in my office. And they went out in the sanctuary. And he sat there. He said, but don't give me an office. Because I don't want the temptation. And there's nothing wrong with offices. But I think, you know, that's a good principle. To get out of the office and go minister. Go fix something. Go do something. Go serve somebody. Come in the sanctuary and pray. But those things are the priorities, not blogging. And again, there's a time for those things and, and discussions that it can be edifying and, and a tool can be used. I understand those things that can be beneficial at times. But to spend hours after hours where it ends up being useless babble after a while. Because so you're trying to show somebody how smart you are. And that's what we're seeing in ministry a lot. And it's a trap to get into. Humility, being a servant. Lord, I'm going to be praying. Men or women of prayer. Well, Father, we thank You for these lessons. And Father, I just pray that, that as we are reminded again what ministry is, it's humbly coming to You, being dedicated to You, and allowing You to lead us and to guide us. A heart of thanksgiving. And Lord, ministering to people. And being ones that are in devotion to you. So Lord, help us to be faithful in those things. And So Father, we thank you for tonight. And I just pray that as we continue to to worship, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts. Maybe there are some things on our hearts that you're putting on us that you desire for us to step out and do those things. Or perhaps attitudes that have been wrong. Or perhaps... Lord, you just, you just, we just want to thank you for Lord what you've done in our lives and allowing to use us.